Welcome. I'm Mandy, a former history teacher. And I'm Evita, a former mechanical engineer. We're both married with four kids, two two boys, boys, two two girls. girls. We're two young professionals turned stay-at-home moms, navigating all facets of homemaking one step at a time to help you become the mother and wife you are called to be. So today we're going to talk about bringing religion into the home and what a truly Christian home looks like. And then we'll end it with kind of practical ways to create that. Obviously, we know our goal is to have a truly Christian home. We want people to recognize that. We want our children to grow up in that. And so how do we know if we've accomplished it? And so this excerpt we're going to be taking is from a chapter out of the Homemaker book, which we've referenced in previous episodes. But it this chapter begins with a story of a sculptor. And he's trying to sculpt a sculpture of Jesus. And when he finished it, he decided he was going to have a little child come in and see if she could guess who it was. Because he viewed an innocent child with no previous connotations or anything like that would would recognize Jesus if she saw him. So this child comes in and says, oh, look, a great man. And so he knew he had failed, that he he didn't capture the essence of Christ. And so then he tried again and brought the child back in. And this time her eyes filled with tears. And all she said was, quote, suffer the little children to come on to me. And so she immediately recognized who that was. And so for us in our homes, we have to ask ourselves, what impression would our home and its life make upon a pure and simple hearted child? So if a small child came into our home, what would be their impression? And that to me was a great question to pose because I was like, yeah, what would that look like? You know, am I running around, cleaning like crazy, yelling at all the kids? Like, what would that impression be like? Right. Like, is the impression going to be like, wow, she has a clean home? Or is it going to be like, wow, God lives here? Yeah. Wow. This is HGTV. (laughs) Or. (laughs) But God also lives here. But God. Yeah. That would be the dream. That's the ideal. (laughs) Yeah. No, he calls it the severest test. And it's true. I mean, he puts it that way, that if one of pure mind and heart can recognize God, that that is true success. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I, I like that reference or that kind of test being applied to our homemaking because it is true. It is so easy to kind of focus on other things, on dinner, mm-hmm. on, you know, cleaning, on the chores. And we can make idols of clean homes and Oh, yeah. Making food even. Like, I feel like sometimes we can even overly be like, I'm going to make all this stuff. But then it consumes all of our attention to do that. Right. So having having the little ones being able to recognize and remember as an impression in their mind Mm -hmm. beyond their childhood, what their home was for them. And I love how he said it, you know, is it just a beautiful home or is it a home where love and tenderness and praise are so that a child would say, I think Jesus lives here. Right. Those are the factors that need to be included for sure. The other part he mentions kind of along with that is it's not just the grandeur of her home, but the spirit. So really capturing that spirit Mm -hmm. and that that love shows itself in tone. So I thought about that. I'm like, how do I What's my tone like <laughs> when I talk to my husband, when I talk to my kids, when yeah. I, you know, yeah, yeah. that specifically highlighting tone in thoughtfulness. Right. Am I thinking of others mm. as I'm like going about doing these things and unselfish tenderness? Yeah. So I love that those three were kind of 
Like that's how love is most easily seen and expressed. And is that what's going on in our homes? Right. Because it can be easy to say like, oh yeah, we have religious art or we pray or whatever. And we'll get into, you know, the different act, the different aspects of how he believes religion should be, you know, in- incorporated into the home. But if we have all those things, but our tone isn't one of gentleness mm-hmm. or tenderness, it- it's almost like you can have the opposite effect, I think. You yeah. know, you could like some kids, I don't know, you read comments on the internet or just other places where I feel like people kind of resent the faith because of the way they were brought up right and that's yeah. something that's like the opposite effect of what we want right we right. want we don't want to drive our children away yeah you don't want to become like the charlie brown parents where all they hear is like wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes i feel like that's what i am <laughs> and then we wonder why they're not listening yeah. we're like don't you hear what i'm saying you're like, like no nope, so don't be like the Charlie Bell parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like really thinking of this, I'm like, gosh, where, wh- if someone came into my house and was on a fly on the wall, where would this tenderness be seen? And I'm like, there's just such beauty in child watching, like your husband making you a cup of coffee and bringing it to you in bed. Right. And like just them observing that, or yeah, you yeah. doing the same for your husband or mm-hmm. sweetly packing up their lunches and putting them away quietly. Right. Like those things don't go unobserved. And I think they're just small little acts, but mm-hmm. that that really sets a tone of like, wow. Right. Like those things can be understated, but it's like the disposition that we have while we do them mm-hmm. that says more than the action itself sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And it did really get me to think, because I'm always like, my house has to be clean, my house has to be clean, my house has to be yeah. clean. <laughs> and, you know, obviously it's not because I have five kids. (laughs) So then, you know, I get frustrated because I'm like, oh, they didn't put their bowl away or they didn't do this. And I'm all for like training your kid and like having them help and things like that. So Mm -hmm. I still want to do that. But I think that my frustration is voiced in that they've messed up the house instead of it being out of love. Like I'm going to teach you how to like do these things. Yeah. And and I think it's like, there has to be a balance because I mean, we're not, we're not perfect. We're striving to be saints and Mm -hmm as holy as we can be. And and I think it's okay to make mistakes as long as we're learning from them. But basically, as long as the tender tones mm-hmm. outweigh the harsh ones. Right. I mean by a good majority. Yeah. But but I think I think that's what counts, you know? Yeah. And that's How what much you're saying. Like, exactly. Like if there was a fly on our wall, <laughs> what would the flies say that in ninety percent happens yeah. in our home. Yeah, you know what their I mean? overall impression. Of what the they overall see impression, exactly. And it, this really reminded me. So I have a um, a friend who's a former spiritual director. That's a Cistercian monk, and I think I remember voicing to him one time, like, "Gosh, I'm just so frustrated, like because my house is like <laughs> a mess." And he said, "Don't do that." And I was like, "Whoa!" And he said, "He grew up with parents that were very clean, and he's like, my house was like a museum." You weren't allowed to touch half of what was in there. It was always immaculate. Mm-hmm. But he said, but it wasn't a home. And he oh. said that he loves going into parishioners' homes where he sees toys and he sees joyful kids uh, yes. because to him, that's a home. Yeah. And that really got me thinking. It's like, yeah, I could have a home that looks like an HGTV catalog. Right. Like, yeah, money and art can do lots of beautiful right. things. But is it really 
Is a that the home. point? Is that the point of right. our home? Yeah, yes. exactly. Not that those things are bad things, but if that's the only thing that's in there and right. that's the focus of the home. Yes. And if it gets in the way and affects our tone and our tenderness and things mm-hmm. like that, that's when we need to kind of scale back and think, where is this in the pri- in the priority? Right? Yeah. 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 And if you have someone come over to your house and they step and some cereal crumbs, you know, it's probably good humility. <laughs> like, and the reality is they probably don't care. Yeah. They probably don't notice half the stuff you think they right. do. So. Yeah. Something to note what you were mentioning about how he mentioned about the, the artwork and the impression on the child. I think it's kind of nice because unlike the brief impression of a, of a piece of art on a child, thankfully we don't have just a single opportunity to make an impression on our children. Mm-hmm. Rather we have their childhood. I mean, right. Maybe more into their young adulthood, but I really do believe that, that the younger years are kind of, I don't know that that's where they say everyone kind of has their traumas and things that they need to work it's through. It's funny. Cause I think you don't have long-term memory till you're like three, like over three years old right. or something. <laughs> Yeah. So you have till they're three. Just yeah, exactly. Until they're three, go then ahead and lose it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe God did that on purpose. So as you're learning for yeah, couple like, years. <laughs> Let me erase their memory. Yeah, let's for just this erase the memory part. of those three. <laughs> Gosh, I hope so. Built Fingers in crossed. Face. Yeah. <laughs> No, I found myself banking on that sometimes. I'm like, okay, they're only two. I just flipped out. It's probably okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I and I was telling I was telling another another young mom recently, like who has less kids than I do, about how before I used to feel like a little bit. Well, I used to feel like really guilty when I would get upset and things like that. And I feel like now with more children, I ironically I get less upset. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe you just kind of back to the whole surrender thing. You're yeah. like, okay, I'm, you I'm not going to You just know some things are, you accept. Yeah. You accept is this things. worth the fight or yeah. whatever? So now that I think, now when I do actually have to raise my voice to get their attention, I, there's no guilt. It's like, well, yeah. you know, maybe they just I had a lot it. of patience. Up yes. until <laughs> I was patient for eight hours until I, you know. <laughs> so no, I think, I think acknowledge, like not having so much guilt and yeah. placing all this pressure to think, oh my gosh, I need to be perfect. You're not going to be perfect. Harsh words right. are going to come out and mm-hmm. you're going to get angry. But the point is like, again, what do you do more? Is there more tenderness yes. or is there more of that? Exactly. So what makes a home complete then if it isn't aesthetic mm-hmm. <laughs> or simply aesthetic, I should say, obviously right. that plays a role. Um, well, the one easy word is obviously God. Mm-hmm. And I loved how in this section, it really talked about not just why we need religion, philosophically, what religion gives us, but pragmatically mm-hmm. what religion offers us. Mm-hmm. And so one thing he said is that, quote, all that labor and skill and soil and seeds can do for the field or garden will not avail unless heaven give rain and sunshine. So you can labor, but if there's no rain and sunshine, you're not going to grow crops. And so like, that is why it's central to have God in our lives that he's going to provide that grace needed to make our labor turn into something. Right. And so nothing can succeed without his approval and help. So the biggest key thing is we need a home altar. And by that, it doesn't mean necessarily like a physical, you actually should have a physical place where you 
you yeah. know, have holy things in your purse. You, space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this is where you're going to gather to praise and worship as a family. And mm-hmm. so I thought this was super interesting. He said in old patriarchal days, like in the Jewish faith in the Old Testament, if a tent was set up, even only for a night, like they're traveling, they set up their tent. Mm-hmm. The altar was also erected and sacrifices of prayer and praise were offered to God. So right. they like spent all that time setting up the altar, even if they were just going to be there temporarily for, for a night. night. So just showing again, the central importance of doing that. Mm-hmm. And if we fail in our home, he kind of goes into the section where he's, if we fail at this, it's the most disastrous outcome. Like this is, yep. this is serious. This is why you're, cultural social problems come from right irreligion all of these things stem from right not having the proper i I guess i want to say yeah training not having the proper training and and lessons taught in the home right he says quote in nothing else are so many sacred interests and such momentous momentous responsibilities involved nowhere else in life do we meet difficulty and delicate duties and nothing else is failure so disastrous Mm. (laughs) It's like yes. it does. It does pressure. Yeah, it does, it does. It does put pressure. But I mean, we to a degree, we do need that kind of yes. pressure. You know, not the self guilt. Yeah, but more like you really, Look really what, what been you do with. Yes, who the souls you've been entrusted with, and the everlasting impact you will have on their soul. Yeah, and yeah. I think also just giving your job so much purpose. Like you mm-hmm. have the highest purpose. Mm-hmm. as a homemaker mm-hmm. because you're the one so yes your husband's there with you but you're the one setting the tone of the home right. like you are you are at home yeah creating this environment first so you work together as a spouse to do that but ultimately like i said it's like the job of the homemaker right. is so. yeah and i and i've heard like the homemaker is like the ceo of the house i kind of yeah. like that because you yeah. do run the show you oh, run yeah. the schedules you know how many skills you have to have i gotta <laughs> There are yeah, things I never I'm the thought financial planner. Yeah. I'm the I'm the nurse. I'm the you chauffeur. Know, yes, I'm the chef. Cook. All that. <laughs> exactly. No, and, and it's true. I mean, it's it's a very sacred space that can either shape or destroy. And I don't know. I mean, it's just it's just something that we really do need to remember that we mm-hmm. are the ones that are typically creating the traditions in the house. Yes. Right. So although this chapter and i mean i think he wrote this book for for you know men and women right because he has the husband's part the wife's part the children's part too. yes but i do i do think that religion in the home is a is a two-part thing right you 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 need your husband to be engaged in this and i mean i don't know maybe we have like listeners too that are just like they're the only ones that Mm -hmm. have the faith maybe you know and then so for sure then it would completely fall on you Mm -hmm. but i just think as the mother in general it does the these uh yeah these aspects traditions these sacred spaces they need to be built by the mother right yeah. the one who's home yep and he goes on to um talk about this important role like what you're doing mm-hmm. and i love this one because it really pinpoints like what what is your job with your children he says quote for the upbuilding of their character mm-hmm. for the impressions that he stamped upon their souls for their protection from unholy influences for the molding and shaping of their lives, for the development and training of their powers, and for the preparation for life's mission and for eternity, the parents are responsible. Yeah. So, I mean, that to me just not only shows the importance, but also the beauty of you've been entrusted mm-hmm. 
to do these things, to build someone's character, to educate them, to keep them from unholy influences, to prepare them for their life and then for eternal life. And so how could you do that without religion? <laughs> right, right. He says, quote, where is the parent who is prepared to engage to go all this and who wants no help from God? Uh, he says, it's a, it's a great undertaking with so many factors working against us, many of which we cannot control, factors we cannot and do not want to do alone. Yeah, I loved that because, um, so my sister works in a PICU and I try to get her not to tell me these stories because they're not helpful as a mother. <laughs> she does anyway. And she's like, tells me of all these sick kids and I, my heart just like sinks and I'm like, I can't imagine being a parent with, like in that situation. And then I thought about it further and I said, I can't imagine being a parent in that situation and having no religion. Yeah. Right. My kid's going to turn into nothingness when they die. This right. is, doesn't matter. Like right. I cannot fathom not having, and this is where it gets into religion is really a refuge right. because this world is full of sorrow. Yeah. And so religion is like you're clinging on to. And there's this beautiful picture that um, was painted and it has like Mary kind of in the background, mm -hmm. like kind of coming in. Mm -hmm. And it has a picture of a storm and the shipwreck. And there's this man like clinging on to a like a piece of wood mm -hmm. left like and she's like protecting him. Mm -hmm. And it's like I kind of view it as that's really you know, life is so much, can be so much sorrow and religion is like this refuge that's keeping you afloat, that's right. keeping you going. And so I loved how he talked about that. You can build the highest wall in your home and you will not be able to keep out sorrow. Right. And so religion really serves that purpose of, of being a home of prayer. When trial comes, he says there's help at hand. Mm -hmm. It's an unseen presence. It walks amid the shadows and no home is prepared for trials, which are at the same time inevitable, which has not its altar standing in the center, wherein the fires burn perpetually. So I love that idea of like this fire still going, even right. amidst this, these craziness of life. Yes. And even if we feel like it's dim, it's still lit. Mm -hmm. Right. And then another quote he says is, quote, but in the home of prayer, when trial comes again, there is help at hand, an unseen presence, a voice others hear not whispers peace a hand others see not ministers consolation oh, religion that. pours light in the dark in the darkness the sorrow no less bitter but stricken hearts are sustained by the rich consolations of divine love and uh, i and i think that is the difference because the people who who don't have religion or only i don't know or only seek it when they're confronted with their powerlessness it i don't know i I'm sure God is still there to console them. Mm -hmm. But if you have that consistent prayer life, it's almost like you're, you're feeding that perpetual fire, right? Yeah. You're giving it that, you know, whatever it needs to keep burning versus if you don't have that lit mm -hmm. or if it's dimly lit and you don't have kind of the, the resources to keep it burning, it, it just, it makes situations like that of yeah. grief much harder. What does prayer offer you? So he's talking about how, yes, it's this refuge, as you said, in, in these times of sorrow. Mm -hmm. But I love this quote he said is bowing in prayer together in the morning. So this is what prayer mm -hmm. does. Strengthens all the household for life's activities. Wisdom is sought and obtained for the decisions and plans of the day. Guidance is asked 
and received. Help is drawn down from the throne of God. The children go out under under sheltering wings and are safe in danger, guarded by angels and kept by Christ himself. And I found so much solace just reading that. Oh my gosh. Because what are your worries as a mom? Will my kid be safe? Will this happen? Will I make the right decision? And I just love the surrender of, in prayer, I seek all these things and God will take care of all of them. Like it's just such a simple faith of a child that, you know, my kids will go out guarded by angels. And since St. John Bosco's, feast day was recently he had this one dream that really kind of shows the, the protection of heaven you know he had a school of boys and so they're he has this dream where they're all outside playing mm-hmm. and his mother who had died comes and gets him and says you need to come you need to come it's urgent and when he comes out there's this elephant outside he's really kind of questioning what what's going on here because it seems harmless and the, some of the boys are playing with it but some of the boys are keeping their distance mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it turns into a fiend a demon and it starts dragging these boys down to hell with it. Mm-hmm. And a large group of the boys run over to a statue of Mary and her mantle starts growing to protect them. Like it literally wow. like covers them. Yes. And I like was burst into tears because it's just like, isn't that what every mother wants is to have protection over her child that she can't offer, you know, right. just knowing right. that through prayer, child will be protected like just again that that exactly simple confidence Mm -hmm. yeah i know that that's beautiful so that's why it's so important we as mothers as saint monica would say pray 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 and and have it see our kids have them around so they have that to turn to right when temptations come or obstacles come and that really having a christian home gives your kids a godly example they will have memories of your home altar They will have abiding power of holy teachings that they learned. Mm -hmm. The grace of God descending upon them, answering to their prayers. And it will give them inspirations and impulses towards all that is noble and heavenly. So that is why it's super important we do our best to create this Christian home. So getting into more practical, you're like, yeah, that sounds great. Now, how do I do it? (laughs) (laughs) So one of the biggest goals is you want to bring out in each one of your kids, and and members of the family, the highest possible development of manly and womanly character. Mm -hmm. So everything we decide to do in our home should be centered on that goal. So with the home altar, like I said, you want to have this as a physical place and don't go out and buy a bunch of stuff to do this. Like if you have a mantle, use your mantle above your fireplace. If you have a little shelf, use a shelf. If you have a little table, use a table. It doesn't have to be anything super elaborate, Mm -hmm. but you want to gather and assemble materials, statues, rosaries, candles, anything that aids in, in prayer and, and teaching that prayer to your kids, the Bible, right? One thing I saw in here that I thought was a great idea is having a prayer journal where you write prayer intentions Mm. and you can have your kids help you do that. Like, who are we praying for? And like having a physical part. And I think it was in the little oratory book. It said the beauty of doing that is if you date it and you look back at it, you get to see all the prayers answered. of like, oh yeah, I prayed for that. And this happened. Oh, I love that. So it's just a really neat way. And again, to involve your kids as like active participants and not passive that they can help add to it. It's so cute. Like like when you ask kids, they really think more than I think we think they do. You know, I was like, who should we pray for? And my little daughter in preschool is like, we need to pray for Imelda. She's sick. 
<laughs> and it was just so sweet. Like she thought like, yep, she's all better now, mom. We don't have to pray for her anymore. I yes, okay. I know. Like it is. And, and I love that. Thankfully, the school where we send our children, it's like they really make a great effort to incorporate prayer into their daily lives. Like today I was driving home and there was this guy in front of me and I'm just saying out loud, I'm like, this guy doesn't know how to drive, you know, and <laughs> my my little guy, my little kindergartner, he's like, maybe we should pray for him. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh. <laughs> yes. You okay. Let's throw up a Hail Mary for the guy. And so we're praying. <laughs> and then. <laughs> So oh, he can learn sweet. how to drive. I'm like, oh gosh. Pray for this guy to learn how to drive. <laughs> yeah, it's sweet. But no, That's I mean cute. that goes to show like um that that they really do retain what they hear, right? Mm-hmm. So if we say if someone is struggling, we need to pray for them. Yeah. They would they will apply it to every kind of circumstance, to a child having a cold or you right. know. That, and everything. Mm-hmm. If I need help, God will help me. If I need guidance, God will give me guidance. And that's right. what we want them to do. We want them to have that faith to always, a child. Yes, to always pivot back to this is who we gain our strength from and mm-hmm. our requests are heard. Yeah. And I loved how like talking about gathering in prayer with our with our kids and doing these things mm-hmm. is um, the effects of that even in just pragmatically in our families is right. that it provides solace amongst frictions, right? We have daily cares. We have selfishness in the house. We mm-hmm. have impatience. We have irritability. We have harsh words. They all, they come out. Right. And that prayer really like softens that. It smooths out all those little tangles and it mm. sets all wrong things right again. So this is where you don't have to feel the shame as much because exactly. a little slip up, it's like the prayer is going to be important for, for smoothing that over. It is very difficult when you're praying with your kids to have harsh feelings. It, it's, it softens your, softens you and it like brings your hearts closer together as you right. do it together. And it really brings you peace. And I have an example of this. So one thing I've always wanted to do, and it was very difficult, was having like a daily family rosary. So my husband and I started doing it by ourselves when we were first married. And then we were just like, you know, we why are we doing this like um, by ourselves? We should really include our kids. Obviously, they're all small, so this is very difficult. And I thought it was never going to happen. I was like, oh, you just can't pray rosaries with kids until they're way older or something. Mm -hmm. And so we just kind of made a commitment. And I have to give my husband more credit. He's so much more disciplined than I am. He just be like, all right, we got to pray the rosary. And for the first couple weeks, it was (laughs) awful. Like, it was awful in that I never wanted to do it. It was like another thing we were adding into the night. The kids were running around like crazy. They didn't even know what to do with it. But they say it takes three weeks to make a habit. So after that, it all of a sudden just became part. It was like knit into our day. Right. And I saw how it changed my kids. Like they'd pass out the rosaries. Mm -hmm. And my son knows all the prayers. Like just by sitting and listening, we didn't teach him any of them, but they even know the mysteries now. Yeah. And for the little ones that can't like participate in that way, I found these like rosary board books that you use an expo marker and you can like mark off the beads like as they say them. And it has pictures of the mysteries and stuff. But it did bring so much peace in my home. I found myself instead of at the end of the day being exhausted and just like frustrated at any little thing they did. 
I laugh a ton. I'm like, oh, that's so funny. Like, look at what they just did. And I would normally not have found humor in that, in that state of mind. So it, it just, it really does bring peace. If anything, like obviously prayer does way more than that, but just on a pragmatic level of just. But it's a two part thing. What you're doing is you're incorporating the prayer because you know how important it is, but you're also meeting them where they're at, right? You're Mm -hmm. giving them these kind of engaging activities that are age appropriate. And you also expect them to act age appropriately, right? You're not having these high standards where it's like you want them to sit in absolute silence or else it's like, you know, everyone's upset or, you know, there, again, there, there, there is that surrender of this is my life and this is where we're at. And I don't want them to think of prayer as a time of, I'm going to get, you know, disciplined or, right. You know, yelled at or whatever. So, so it is that two part thing. You're incorporating it and you're understanding the expectations, like the real, the reality. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's true. And, and I think that that's sometimes like, we do a nightly rosary also. And I feel like there's always one more, there's always a more forgiving parent than oh, another sure. one, you know, yep. one that has the higher expectations and the one that's some like, days oh, it switches on. off. <laughs> some days it switches <laughs> off for sure. But anyhow, no, I, I think that, that it's good. What you like, how, what maybe you can link to what the little the mystery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Cause we have, we have, we were gifted this like rosary, silicone like bubble popper thing and (laughs) now my now my kindergartner uses that to kind of oh mom is this where we're at or what do we say next or do we have five left or you know he and so he's asking questions throughout the whole thing but yeah but nonetheless they are engaged and that's that's what you want right exactly so after we talked like the daily rosary is obviously one thing you could do but Mm -hmm. i think it's definitely good to have it knit into you. I think the key is to have it knit into your day where just like breakfast is, it has to happen. So too are these moments where you're gathering and it is impactful. When I look back at my own childhood, I remember distinctive things my mom did. Like there one is taking us to mass every morning in the summer. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if my brother was in pajamas, still like my little baby brother. And then the other is she would make us say a morning prayer before we went to school. Mm -hmm. And I still remember parts of it, even though I haven't said it in forever, but it was like something like forgive the many years that I made it yesterday and help me to walk closer in your way. And then it ends with something like praying to your guardian angel, like take my hand and hold it tight. So I won't walk alone today or something. Oh my gosh, that's cute. You should find it. We can put it in the show notes. I think that would be good. Yeah. That's something that he mentioned in the book too. Like he didn't, he didn't specify nightly rosary or anything like that, but yeah, he did speak about morning prayers and that's something that, you know, when I wake up earlier than the kids. That's something that I do individually, but Mm -hmm. I loved the concept of making it a family thing, a morning family prayer. And, and now I think I'm definitely going to either find one that's like appropriate for all of us to learn and say, maybe like one that's easy to rhyme that the kids would like, that would be good. Or develop like a custom one requesting, you know, protection, blessings and everything that you know, that we want for our children in our lives throughout the day. And I, and I think it's something that is crucial to incorporate because it is the beginning of your day. You know, I think it's, I think it's beautiful to do it at night and do kind of a, have a reflection of our failing, our failures and our successes. But 
if we start the day off with prayer and incorporating our children, mm-hmm. it can just, it really sets the tone for the day. And it also brings upon the blessings that we are asking for. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I love how, um, so like it takes the form of vocal prayer is very important. You have to incorporate that, but I also love these moments of bringing God into things. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I've never asked my husband if he just kind of did it. And I assumed he had it done to him when he was a kid, but whenever he says, says, says bye to our kids, he crosses them. Yes. And gives them a hug. And I remember one of my kids being like, dad, what are you doing? He's like, <laughs> Oh, I'm asking God to like protect you. Or, yeah. And he does it too before they go to bed. And it's just like that little gesture too. Yes. Of just always like, yes. I, yeah, I love, I love that too. That's something that my mom would always do to us as children is like, give us a blessing before we go. It doesn't matter if it, I was like in my twenties and I was going out at night, and she was like, "Okay, God bless you," you know. And I really do think He must have blessed me, saved you from some, yeah, saved me from some things. But no, that's something that that I do remember her doing every day, and that is something I do to my children before you know my husband drops them off at school, and mm-hmm. and then I incorporate the you know Saint Joseph protect them, and you you know you can ask for your saintly friends to intercede for you, yeah. especially for protection and blessings and things like that. And I think I read somewhere that every family has its own guardian angel. Mm. And so like invoking that sometimes too, just like. Oh, so God. not just an individual, but one. Yeah. And one pa- for the family. have a guardian angel too. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. I so that. along with prayer comes Holy Scripture. And I love this one because yes, we're Catholic. And one thing I think Catholics do poorly, and no offense to Catholics, I am one is I think the Protestants trump us in Bible passages. Like mm-hmm. they're reading it way more. They're quoting it. They're right. they're learning it. And I do think that that's kind of lacking in more Catholic circles that like focus on the Bible. Right. And we could do better with that. And so I know um, Father Schmidt's Bible and Year is super popular right now because I think people want to get better at that mm-hmm. and want to get more into scripture. Mm-hmm. And so there's some ideas on how you can do this as a family. Like, how do you bring the Bible into the family? Well, you can do it for kids by theme. So I looked up this one method was for when things happen, like let's say the first snow comes, you can find all the passages in the yes. Bible that have snow in it and yes. talk about it. Like, So you're connecting it to something that they can directly relate to. Right. Like the flowers in the spring, something mm-hmm. to do with like blossoms or blooming. Yes. Yeah. I love that. And they said you can even get some of the older kids involved and be like, all right, let's look for these passages together. Let's see how many we can find that mm-hmm. have birds in it or something, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, whatever it's related to or veggie tales. So I love veggie tales, um, <laughs> by the way. And sometimes, by the way, I think my favorite is the ducky one, because as I was watching it, I was like, what Bible story is this? He's trying to steal someone's duck. And then I was like, it's David and Bathsheba. <laughs> oh, just a child spin on it. <laughs> And I like died laughing. My husband's like, oh my gosh. Anyway, they're obviously related to scripture. And so you could have them watch that, but then they make it age appropriate. Yeah, they make it age appropriate. I love that. But you could read the passage, you know, like that that's the story of, and they they would have something then to relate it to. Right. Audio Bible. I have an audio Bible I really like, mostly Mm -hmm. because Jim Caviezel is the voice of Christ. And I think that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, that is cool. And it's got like cinematic um sounds and stuff and so my kids love it because like jericho you hear the horns blast so is this an app 
No, it's like actual physical CDs. It's called oh, the audio Bible. Okay. It's like a huge case. Okay. Maybe we can link that too. That yeah. sounds really cool. Yeah. Cause it's, and then it sounds like a, like an audio book, like an adventure yes. kind of, with different voice. Does he do different voices? Yep. There's different voices Perfect. for the different okay. characters. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. And I didn't know what my kids would get out of it. So I played in the car and Samuel remembered a lot from it. He was like, oh, dad, did you know there's this passage in the Bible that like, wow. and then you would ask questions. Yeah, they and, retain it. That's awesome. Yeah, so that is an easy thing to incorporate. For the little kids coloring pages, mm -hmm. I think we have to remember we are the first teacher to our kids. And I think it's easy, especially if you go to a religious school to assume that that's being covered. Yeah, the teacher will handle yeah, it. Yeah, mm -hmm. but you can print out coloring pages and you can buy a curriculum and you can use it. And, right. You know, like, don't be afraid to take things like that and to do them on your own at home. So there's a, a series called Religion and Life that you can buy that's like for different grades. And it has a little reader with like poems in it that have mm. to do with certain themes and stories from the Bible in it. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. there's a teacher book that kind of directs you like, tell your kids the story of this. And okay. then it's very good because it its whole purpose is to relate to children how you live out religion mm -hmm, in your life, mm -hmm. not just... Oh, you got to do this and this. And yeah, this. there's also like there's so there's like a lot of different resources now, but just oh cool yeah, there's because, a ton. <laughs> like one that I was looking into recently was called like Catholic Crates or something like that, and and it's like a subscription. It's either subscription based or you can buy the individual boxes, but they have like a Lenten box and it has like activities for your children and questions oh, nice. for your ch children and prayers to say and things like that. So it's targeted either based on where you are in the liturgical calendar or just in general for whatever, like if you want a box devoted to prayer or, you know, things mm -hmm. like that. So there are oh, a lot nice. of, there are a lot of cool resources out there that you can rely yeah. on. You definitely don't have to make them yourself. Like yeah. if, you, if that's a problem, you can easily find yeah. things. That like would... if you have the budget to do something mm -hmm. like that, that would be kind of awesome. Yeah. But I, I do like also just, coloring pages yeah. that's simple google has them for free i'm sure i'm sure there's yes. lots of places you can pull them yes from. for sure but yeah even like as they color you could talk about what it is they're coloring yeah who they're coloring yes. what they did stories about that person yeah so yeah. again the idea is you don't want this to just be like i'm an advocate for vocal prayers needed mm -hmm. so i think some people are like oh the rosary is too monotonous for kids so they shouldn't say it i'm like but that's a lesson in and of itself. I don't always enjoy praying the rosary, but I do it out of duty. Right. And like I do it knowing the graces I'm going to get from it. Right. So and I don't God necessarily like it, the yeah. idea of being like, never let your kids be bored. Right. I think that's that's a lesson. But I think you can strive to keep it lively in right. other ways. And again, like, age appropriate. Yeah. It's like once they're like six or seven, it's like then they can for sure sit the entire right. time. And you pray can have different you. expectations. Different expectations. Exactly. But yeah, it's it's definitely something you want to do is try to get each member participating in how they're able to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so other areas, you could do poems on virtues to say together. Um, so just like learning the basic virtues. Um, I know I, I was like looking at these poems on virtues. That's cool. Yeah. So there was this beautiful one I saw on obedience and it was about like this little Robin and it rhymes. I'm not, I'm not going to try to butcher it right now, but it was essentially like the mother was like, don't fly too close to the window. 
or you'll get hurt. And oh, then the little okay. Robin does it and gets yeah. hurt. And so it's like the lesson of obedience. Yeah. So you can, if you're someone that's really organized, you could do themes like each week you could like discuss something. Yeah. Like or a this monthly week we're virtue. Gonna talk, yeah. Monthly we're going to memorize this poem. This we're going to talk about obedience and we're going to, exactly. we're going to color these pages that where Jesus was obedient. And I like, love that. These are such great practical ideas. Yeah. And you can even incorporate manners into mm -hmm. them. So I have this book called Modern Manners. And I really like it for the manners in it. I don't so much like it for the reasons they give. It's more of like socially why you do these things. Right. But I think you could add a morally why we do these things. This is an unselfish thing to do and like right. good for us to do. The virtue that is being applied yeah. when you do this. So you could pick mm -hmm. a manner that like, why do we clean up the bathroom after we use it? Because right. we're thinking of other people. The person after, after us. Yes. And I love that. You can incorporate that within it. So it like again, it serves a pragmatic but also a moral, moral purpose there. Um, singing hymns, my kids love songs. I yep. mean, I think we make songs about everything. Like mm. we have an avocado song when we cut our avocados. <laughs> so you can easily incorporate <laughs> yes. religious songs yeah. into that. <laughs> I did I did like that, the singing songs. When when I first had my first baby, since he was young, we've been singing the Salve Regina at night. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we do the majority of the nights is we sing that song. Aww. And now they all know it by heart. And it's it's kind of awesome because then when we hear it at mass, they they look at me like, Mom, this is the salt, you know. So <laughs> that that familiarity that they can they can tie back to what they hear at mass, but also something that they will remember as adults oh i remember my mom used to sing us this you know it's, yeah. it's these impressions like you just said this this uh, prayer that your mom used to have you say in the morning yeah you know that you don't exactly maybe remember everything verbatim but you remember right. what you felt who said it and what was being said for the most part right yeah it's very impressionable mm -hmm. and i loved the quote this is like probably one of my favorite quotes from this book ever that explains like what you're doing when you take the time to do these things. Mm -hmm. So you're incorporating this into your, to your kids' daily lives. It said, quote, it will keep continually open a way between the home and heaven, setting up a ladder from the hearthstone on earth to the father's house in glory on which the angels shall come to go continually in faithful ministry. So like I, when I read that, I envisioned like a beam shooting out of my house up to heaven yeah. and they're just being this you know that in jacob's ladder the angels going up and down that's what i envision like there's just these graces and angels going up and down into mm -hmm. my home and mm -hmm. to heaven that you're like yeah, when like you, a two-way like yeah. a two-way ladder we're like, going up they're coming down yes, yeah exactly. like you're opening your home to this i love that and so i don't know i just thought that was a be really beautiful way especially if it's going to be a little bit burdensome to, to try to get this started because like i said it takes three weeks to really knit something into your your fabric and in your habits but worth it for that that image there um other tips just in various things ensure your young members and even little children can participate make it something pleasant find ways to keep it fresh and exciting but of course like i mean sometimes prayer can be monotonous after you like the rosary mm -hmm. can get a little monotonous if you say it every night but right. um one one way to kind of freshen that up is you could have images of the mysteries that they look at like right. as you say it right um or things again just to remind them what you're meditating on mm -hmm. and again expectation if they get nothing out of it it's okay like you yeah. know if you're like they were right. totally wild today and all we did was just right. 
pray the best we could. Right. And and it's something that we may not think that they're getting something out of it, but they mm-hmm. are receiving graces and blessings. Yeah. And our efforts are. And being, again, the impression you know, my parents cared enough. Right. That we said that every night, no matter what. It was important. In it our was house. important to them. Right. Um, Another quote that that he that he talks about with respect to the profound impact of prayer is, quote, it is absorbed into their souls. It colors all their thoughts. It is wrought into the very fiber of their minds. Oh my! And gosh. I like that because yeah. it is it is ingrained so deeply that it does have that profound impact. I thought too, like the impact of that is that it should not just look like our house is holy, mm-hmm. but it will actually have a spirit of holiness yeah. when they've taken it into their hearts like that. Right. So we're cre- we're trying to create an aroma of love. And the spirit of the spirit of worship creates that. And so, again, if it's, I like that it's woven into the fabric of their being, right. like their minds. Like that's what you're trying to do right. is create this. And also, what you just said, like the aroma, that's so beautiful because it is an aroma is something that is like palpable. It's almost mm-hmm. tangible. It's something that is so evidently felt that that's what our homes need to be when it comes to creating the ideal Christian home. Mm-hmm. Right. Very important to do this. Um, I loved how he kind of ended it. He said, there is no inheritance which the richest parent can bequeath to a child that can compare for one moment with the influence and blessing of a truly godly home. So there's mm-hmm. like nothing better you can give your child. Right. Sure, you can put away money in a 529. <laughs> sure, you can uh, leave your house to them and memories to them. But yeah. like just a single moment of godly home would do way more than any right. of that. Right, right. So the last, the last quote in the chapter says, But one in Christ we shall awake in the other world to see beside us again our loved ones whom we have lost here, yet who have only gone before us to our eternal home. So the reason why I, I, I think he ended with that is because, again, as we've mentioned in upper th- other episodes, like our main goal is to get our children to heaven. Mm-hmm and to get ourselves to heaven so that we can all be unified there together. Mm -hmm. And so the unity and presence of God's goodness and strength in our lives and homes, it can permeate any kind of material or worldly circumstance and prepares us to be united in our eternal home. So if, if we just have that at the forefront of our minds all the time, what, why are we doing this? It's like, it may seem inconvenient or I don't have time. And he does kind of go into a little bit like the excuses offered. He says yeah. lack of time and things like that. We do have to realize the effect and how no excuse is good enough to omit prayer. Right. Yeah. Like it act it it's something that is crucial to the fiber of our children's being and their soul, but also us as parents too. It, it does it does make us better and holier people right and i feel like we'll save our kids a lot of trouble in life because Mm -hmm. i love that saint augustine quote our our hearts are restless lord until they rest in you and you see everyone searching for that peace and that fulfillment and Mm -hmm. they're looking in all the wrong places right so to provide your children with such a beautiful godly home where they know what fills that and they've experienced that yeah then they know where even if they veer away they know exactly where to return exactly he mentions that too if there is any kind of deviation if it is incorporated into their life with this tenderness Mm -hmm. and with the tone and thoughtfulness and all the things we mentioned 
that the likelihood is that they will come back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So mission for this week, pick a spot. Maybe you already have one where you will gather for worship. You can add to it statues, artwork, a journal for prayer intentions. And if you're on a budget, a notebook is fine. I almost went and bought a pretty one and I'm like, this is ridiculous <laughs> because this is going to cause me concern in other areas. Yes. Just get a notebook. It doesn't have to be pretty. Um, it just, it has to serve its purpose <laughs> and candles, whatever you have on hand, you don't have to go buy crazy statues. Like just, right. you know, even if you're really tight on budget, just print maybe pictures of saints that you, yeah. you really want until yeah. you save up for, or give it a go yourself, draw yeah. something, draw you know? something, yeah. frame it, color, color something. it, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> whatever you can do. And then Think of what devotion or prayer you want to work on and include your spouse in this. How can you both work together to work that into your routine? And again, give it three weeks. It's not going to go well when you first start it. Once coming up, so it's not just a time to give up things, um, but also a time to transform ourselves into the Christians we should be. So how can you include lessons, prayers, family worship into your family's lives, traditions you want to start? So like, yeah, maybe there's a morning prayer you want to say every morning with them. I love that. That would be a good time to start. Yeah. Yeah. Resources you might want to get together. So again, if you're on a budget, get together some basic coloring pages, maybe find an audio Bible on YouTube you could play Mm -hmm. while they eat lunch. Like keep it simple. You don't have to go order all these things. We'll link them. If you're like, it's in my budget and I want that because I've been eyeing that, whatever, if it's helpful to you. But again, you don't have to in order to start this. Mm -hmm. And then say a prayer, (laughs) obviously, because we have to begin all things in prayer for God to give you the grace to act on your desires and lead you. So in five weeks time, so I was thinking kind of maybe at the end of Lent, we should look back on this and see what's changed. Like actually write down what it is we yes. want, what we want to incorporate into our homes. Right. Start doing it and see where you're at in five weeks. Right. No, I love that. And speaking on Lent, you know, I was listening to this talk and they were saying that, you know, a lot of people focus on what they're going to give up, right? Like, mm. oh, sweets Chocolate. or whatever, fill in the blank. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is a good time to, to think about what you want to include. And prayer in your home is is essential, like we've mentioned, but Lent is a perfect time to say, you know what, I'm going to start this now, mm-hmm. make it a habit now. Yeah. And because the, the whole goal of Lent is to become more Christ-like. Yeah. It's all, it's obviously it's to like partake a in his new suffering. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like our Easter is New Year's. Yeah. Right? We're building up to that point. And probably more long-term. <laughs> Hopefully. But anyhow, so so I think I think that would be a good thing to, to start. And as kind of a teaser for next week, as Lent is coming up, yes. you're just going to kind of let us know what we can look forward to. Yeah. So I came across this Lenten series uh, talk given by Blessed Fulton Sheen on YouTube. And I'll go ahead and link it in the show notes if you guys want to go ahead and listen with us. But um, it's basically Jesus's last, his last responses to the last words that were said to him, his seven last responses and how they kind of correlate to the seven deadly sins. And it's just a really great listen. It is a little bit lengthy. It's about an hour and a half total, but it is seven segments. So each one is about 
15 to 20 minutes if you want to break it up. But it would be a good way that you can kind of virtually partake in our conversation because we're going to be going over the different segments that he discusses and just a lot of really enlightening material that that is that's just they make good reflection points for the Lenten journey. So that's that's the one thing I wanted to kind of bring up today. Mandy, do you have any any one thing? I mean, you gave so many resources <laughs> right now and so many practical I'll share tips. One thing. Um so I discovered this recently and I kind of am like, why did it take me this long? I don't know. It's actually really simple. But one of the things I've been lamenting is I always have an excuse why not to exercise. Oh, yeah. So I was like, oh, gosh, by the time I'm done making dinner and getting everyone dinner, yes. I'm so tired and I can't do it till my husband gets home because then the kids are all <laughs> running around and I've got homework after school. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know what dawned on me, but all of a sudden I was like, wait, crockpot meals are really easy to make. And if I make it on a day where I would like to exercise instead yes. of making dinner, I could easily do it when my kids were there. And then I was thinking, I was like, well, I could just pull up a jazzercise video or if you like Zumba or whatever you like on my TV, the playroom's right there. And I could just, whatever, if my kids want to watch me do it, they can watch yeah, me do it. They want to partake. Wanna... Yeah. And granted, there's been a few fights that have broken out while I'm in the midst <laughs> of doing it. And I try my best to push through and just do that. Yeah. But it was like, I did it. I got it done. So then I basically made this commitment. I'm like, okay, Tuesdays are my crockpot days. So I'm like aligning them with my other parts of my schedule so that dinner's done and I can do that in place of it. And then I was like, okay, on Thursdays, I'm going to go walking with my kids and we're going to have our out to eat night. Right. And so then when my husband gets home, we'll all go get dinner after it's kind of a treat. Yes. And so it's so much easier when you kind of tentatively plan your schedule around mm -hmm. and align those things to just it, like I said, just kind of knits itself into your day. So I love that. Cause we do have the resources to make life a little bit easier. We just mm -hmm. have to plan ahead. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Plan ahead is the key. So if that's something you've been wanting to incorporate, it is doable. I've only stepped on one Lego while exercising, which was quite painful, <laughs> but <laughs> But it, it Push started your reflexes, got yes. the heart rate up. We're good. Just push away the magnetiles. You'll be good. Perfect. You got this, Mama. And don't forget, God walks among the pots and pans. See you next time.